What it do, KTTV? This is KT, and I'm coming at you live with another episode of the Daily K Podcast. And on today's episode, we have educator, author, and radio personality at the Caribbean Radio Show in Jamaica for Miss Sunetta Shannon. How you doing? Wonderful. It's so good to be here. Thank you for taking the time out with all the celebrities out here to just Talk to a sister. Interview me for No, no. It is. You are in Kuwait, correct? It is one. It's five thirty here, but it is one nineteen a.m. where you are. Thank you for taking some time out to talk to a brother. No problem. And it is a chilling. Although it's nighttime, people, and it's the day ahead. It is a freezing 111 degrees right now, right here in this moment. 111. Oh, my God. With no sun in the sky, no sun at all. Oh, my God. That's, that's, that, there's a life. <laughs> so, um, now, over here um, in the States, you know, it's COVID crazy. We're going through it. Uh, and I know it touched the world. So how are things over there? Uh, did you get any rising cases or have you all been pretty low key? Well, before it ever hit America, being someone from South Carolina, I reached out, called everyone home back in February. But people ignored me. A sister was like, listen up. Three people entered the country you know, from a neighboring country. And within 48 hours, it was like 48 people. So by me calling home and just kind of putting it in the social media and the chat groups with family and friends, no one really paid attention. It goes to the human nature. You really don't care about what doesn't affect you at home. So this particular country has 4 million people. 1 million are aboriginals. Three million are a bunch of expats coming in and working. These people are oil rich, highest currency on earth. So they care about their health care. This is like the best I've ever seen. Just opulent. And everything is really secure and all right. I got the news today. School year is closed. No one will be going to school over here. And in Dubai, right up one hour up the street, everything's okay and life is open back up for flight. So, Can you give me a little bit of background about you or your role in education and how did you end up in Kuwait? Well, I'm from Sumter, South Carolina. I attended Benedict College where I transferred from one HBCU to my home college. Shout out to David Swinton, the president of the university, and Benedict, he was my second cousin. When I got over to Claflin University, established in 1869, four years after slavery, people, that's my family school, United Methodist. So I came up out of those roots. And then Lou Rawls from the NAACP, um, you know, the Parade of Stars, he lied to me. He said, if you are smart and you're black, your education is free. And it wasn't for me. So I moved to Alaska and became a little Negro Eskimo to get all those scholarships and pursue behavior modification. That was the time I began working in education lived on an Indian reservation and taught the Inuit in Alaska, the Apache and the Navajo in Sholo, Arizona. So one day 
I went back and started working at the HBCU. I was like, you know, I'm not going to work for anyone unless they look like me. And that was like in my 20s. And so I started going and working on the HBCU campus of Benedict College. Then Fayetteville State University, I also worked for Clemson University as well. One day a student came in. She was working overseas teaching in Kuwait. She was a single mother. I listened to her story and I was compelled to write a news article just to show other women of color like child is not an excuse. You can get out here and still, you know, do the most to fulfill your own destiny. And when she got a copy of the article, some real rich folks saw it and they were like, hey, offer her a job if she wants to come over here. I had no idea that this would be the highest currency on earth. As if one US dollar here is like 33 cents. Wow. Worth nothing. But one of their dinars, one of their dollars here, more than triples, it's like $3.38. Okay. Tax-free, yes. no such yes. thing as utilities. People are like, what do you mean what I build? You, you have this whole place that comes with it. This is Allah, mashallah, you know? So the concept of working tax-free and being able to have the housing, the utilities, the only bill you have is like an internet bill and your food. You have your drivers, you have your maid. And through my student, that's how I arrived in Kuwait. You know, uh, man, that that is awesome, and uh, and and you wouldn't think uh, that you'd be just you know living. You you see stuff, you see things on TV, and it kind of shapes your perception. And then you go there and you say, "Wow, this is it," you know. Uh, but being an hour away from Dubai, though, now that is really it. <laughs> when the last time you been? Well, typically I go to Egypt on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Ethiopia on the weekend. So Dubai is just like, you know, when you go from one state to another, or it's like going from one part of the county to another part, it is home. There's so many people from Atlanta, from America, from all over the world. Like this people from my hometown that I even know there. Everything, the best secret about Dubai, you want to know the secret? Please. Nobody ever told you. You know it's the tallest building on the earth, right? Mm-hmm. It's Burj Khalifa. But nobody told you that those people are black. Okay. okay. Yeah, the Emirati is black. <laughs> the Arab the Arab is seen as a mulatto. Mm-hmm. Wow. The Aboriginal people, the Emirati here, so when I got here and saw so many super dark, dark chocolate Kuwaitis yes. and chocolate Bahrainis and chocolate Dubai Emiratis everywhere, I realized I'm in, I'm not in the Middle East, I'm in like Northeast Africa, you know. And they told me that Average was like, girl, you home. If anybody leaves their privilege and come over here, we look at them side eye. But if something ever popped off, sister, we got you. <laughs> you a cousin. You blend in. You you know, the brothers look like you all the time. And I would have to look at your shoe game to tell if you were American or if you were a middle um, you know, a Middle yeah. Eastern man. Yeah. yeah. 
So so to go back a little bit, you 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 graduate, get the bachelor's, move to um, Alaska. Now, what experience uh, did you have when you were introducing like the cultural studies to the students, like the cross cultural studies? How was that? This taught me all about media influence. Every time I would go into these communities, they had never seen a black person. If um but their grandparents had for generations because they remember black people as being Aboriginal of North America as well. But my students had only seen Tyler Perry um, or whatever boys in the hood, you know, on some other stuff like that. So it was equally as important for them to learn about me as it was on Thanksgiving. Well, before I say that, I'll say this. That trail of tears were a Navajo that made it to Alaska. So they still have cousins, even if they're desert people or Arctic people to this day, because of colonialism. So here it was on the Indian reservation. And Thanksgiving was coming up. A little child said, you going to go eat turkey with the white folks? And I was so quick to say yes, because it was just out of ritual sake that all the boys side-eyed me and never, ever had I ever conceived that genocide would not be celebrated by those impacted. Learning experience for me. And in all the cultures, I always learn like, What's the filthy words? What's all the crazy words? I've learned the language. I get immersed. So, um, in Navajo. And if you ever are around them and they talk about the Jenny woman or the Jenny man, yeah, you are gypsy people, the real people that they remember their oral stories being told. So living in that in Alaska environment, they were, I call myself the Negro Eskimo. <laughs> The secret history behind that is when America purchased Alaska, they wanted to extract all the natural resources naturally. So they sent in workers who were a bunch of white guys that got up there, worked really hard, and eventually went on strike because they wanted a woman. You know what I'm saying? They was up there doing this work for years, man. So the government supplied women. And when I lived in Fairbanks, Alaska, we had an annual festival that was pretty much the celebration of prostitution. Like, you'd be like, your people really from around here? (laughs) And you ain't no native. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You can have your supervisor pay money and they'll collect them and act like the old West, like they have the brothels and things. So being immersed in different parts of American culture or foreign culture, people are people. Mm, I, I agree. I agree. So now you did the uh, reservation. You did Alaska. You get to Kuwait. You just told me how great it is and, and fun. But what was the first thing that made you rethink that decision like culture shock? I thought I was African. Okay. <laughs> I'm from South Carolina. You hear me, brother? I know humidity. I ain't about that life. The heat here is so hot that it feels like go and take a blow dryer, turn it on high, put it to your face, but you can never leave it. You know, when the wind was blowing today, I took pictures of the trees and the wind just blowing. I was like, nobody would ever know that it is so 
Yeah, you, you, you just said one eleven though. So that is uh, you know, I'm I'm in Houston, and so I I may see a ninety nine, a one oh one, but that extra ten, I just I don't know if I could do it. I, <laughs> so then I see one twenty five. Ooh, yeah, I'm in the house. I'm in the house. That that's a wrap. So then, now with the with the teaching, because when I hear, you know, you think about the education in America, uh, and you think about where we come up testing and, and things like that with our work ethic. And so over there, how is the teaching experience different from, from your time in the States? How are the kids, how would you classify? Simply put, my students don't grow up to have jobs. My students say things like, I want to be a trillionaire because they were born millionaires. You know, the history behind having everything provided and resources. As an educator in America, we would be under obligation to provide certain resources for the classroom management. Over here, the particular school that I work at is all smart boards and everything, laptops only, K through 12. And it's been pretty much a peaceful place to be in as the rest of the world tries to transition to get students who might be in disadvantaged areas properly equipped at home. Whereas mm -hmm. the students that I'm dealing with are royal family, are, um, period, here we go. I teach sixth grade. Three classes. When I first got to the school, there's this rule, you know, you can't have parties. But these kids have something in the culture called, oh, people here have wasta. Wasta means power. You got some kind of power, like you can walk into a government building and just forget all the rules and just go to the front. Wasta. So to be able to have those type of children that I'm in charge of, they go to the office, they tell the principal, hey, we want to throw Miss Anita a surprise birthday party. And then my other class heard the rumor and they went and they got authorization. This is against the school rules. You just don't. But the man authorized because of these powerful is like, okay, your people are royal. <laughs> your daddy owned the mall. <laughs> the, all the car dealerships in the car rental places are owned by your family. Who am I to say no? Yes. As a woman of color, I am the remedy for I birth the world. Coming into this culture, what makes it as an advantage for me being a woman of color in the classroom is the natural discipline and the silent look. Um, there is something magical about just being me that I celebrate. When you Love what you do. You never work a day in your life. When I taught the little ones and the principal would come by and look in the window, I'd be embarrassed by, y'all really paying me for this? These kids are like, I'm the queen, you know? Yeah. Principal in the hallway, busting at some boys who were cutting class. They ignore him rudely. I'm leaving the bathroom, and they, they do the old hood stuff. Hey, psst, psst. I don't turn. I continue to walk. One of the boys yells out, my queen. And I gracefully turn my little locks around. And the principal staring at me like, what was that? You know, and I was like, miss, miss, 
you know, miss me with that. I'm not that common chick. These kids, although I don't teach and they know recess, classroom with 22 kids, none of them are even my students because the place that they want that respite, that they hear is that zone, that miss, can I get away from whatever? I probably not be like, as long as you be quiet, don't disturb me. I'm over here trying to have my peace. Y'all come up in my house. You know, just that type of connection when you have been given everything and never told no. On top of the work in education, you have the radio show on the Caribbean Radio Show Network. So now, what's the name of the show, and what are some of the content topics, uh, content topics that you cover? All right, I started in radio at fourteen, so this is a lifetime experience. The Caribbean Radio Show is actually stationed in Jamaica. It's a platform that has about six other co-hosts as well. Everyone has their different shows. That's how we keep our numbers up. The Caribbean radio show is known as the Knowledge Station. So my show is every Freedom Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That time is the time that I express to 2.4 million people who the business owners are giving people who are trying to pivot in a time of COVID an opportunity to have a platform. A lot of times people are really good at their business, but not the spokesman. And so we're going to have to speak for our brands. In that, this has been a susu energy of some impactful, powerful people. One of the brothers from Alaska that I know, he's on his second season on the television show that he produces. To have him on the show, multimillionaire, brother friend of mine who is in all the movies that you see in black Hollywood or the videos. Those are the cars that he puts there. They fly him around the world. All of these people that I have on the show to reconnect the great minds to the audience. And I put out a personal campaign every episode, which I think keeps the numbers up is to encourage people to get an LLC. You know, the difference between not having ownership propriety. And that's been the thing about having people inbox me. And it drives many, many businesses out of me of just saying, look, this information is free. Them boy made it seem like it was so hard, child. But the Gigi Della woman in me is the oral tradition of passing the information on and giving it with joy. Young lady called into the show. She heard. She listened. She went to the archives, listened again. She reached out and inboxed me. We talked on the phone for the consultation. I was like, sis, I'm so happy. You got your username and password. You were official in Texas. You know, someone else the next day, official in Michigan. Just to hear the stories of people. If either you are the businessman or woman who has come into the show and shared with an audience, or you are that active audience listener who's like, man, it is so my season in the midst of chaos that I'm about to just level up unlike ever before. And so at the Caribbean radio show, it's been an amazing platform for every freedom Friday. We get the manumission papers done. (laughs) I worked in radio since the age of 14. My platform was nationwide in America. And um, in Jamaica, someone reached out, Dr. Ev, beautiful elder, and she afforded me as this outlet to say, look, man, 
The world needs to hear your voice. Um, don't let your gifts be dormant to allow people that space and to connect with people because that's our growth. The very thing that you don't want to do, you want to shy away from certain topics. It's the very thing that needs to be said. So she gave me the opportunity and it's been over, especially knowing that it's a huge Jamaican population out here in the Middle East. In my building alone, there are fewer black women from America where there are like 19 Jamaican women in this building. Then the Egyptians, they strong in it too. But we like a, a game of space when it comes to black American women because of the concept when I tell people, you know, where I live, I typically don't like to share that. I'm like, look, I'm just right here with Dubai because I can't fight the media on what your perception is. Nor mm -hmm. will I debate with people fully knowing that the oil rich country that this is has given me a safety. When I called you last, when I reached out to you last night, I was able to be disgusted, run out in a ballroom gown after curfew in the middle of the street, stop a police officer, tell him I need to use your Wi-Fi in order to contact you. <laughs> you can risk your life in America, child, please. No. So now the, that's what I'm saying. So curfew, why did you all, uh, is the curfew always imposed or is it? Just now. Until September 13th, we're in different phases. Mm -hmm. We went from um, being able to only go outside for two hours a day when it was at its peak time. Mm -hmm. That was for several weeks. Mm -hmm. And then we began to go to the next phase. And everything that the um, government said, it was contingent upon the numbers going down. Mm -hmm. And then there came a point where they said only certain areas are still impacted in higher numbers. So if we don't live in those areas, you have the time, go out and about. When we were under strict hours of only two hours that we could go outside, it was so amazing because you could either look out the window and see everybody walking because no cars were allowed for the entire country. So we're all walking for our two hours, all, you know, grannies and them easy yeah. out in the streets with the mask on. And then when we got a chance to come back out right now, we're in state phase two and all of our phases will end on September the 13th. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that type of protection mm -hmm. um, in the healthcare and everything that they do. They're, they take care of everyone. Mm. And with your show being in, in Jamaica, um, do you have to go? Do you get to go and, and like be a part of things that they have? Absolutely. We have a phenomenal, huge family. And this radio show is, this station is so old to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. This is home. This is love. This is the platform that I'm just like blessed to say little me got a chance to be a part of the family. So to travel, to go to Jamaica, yes, yes, yes. Home. Mm, I love it. Now, what's next for you in, in teaching abroad? How long are you going to be in Kuwait? And are you thinking about moving or are you staying it out? I'm going back to two weeks in America too much for me. Hey. I'm not messing up something that's so good for me. Hey, Working. You go to the flea market, a little Indian guy like Aladdin on a carpet coming with a wagon and carry all your stuff. 
dollar. I'm home. I go to Africa on the weekends. Egypt is just like four hours away from me. It's like the same cost as gas to go from Georgia to South Carolina. If it ain't broke, don't break it. Okay. <laughs> this Christmas, I spent Christmas with the oldest grandmother on earth. Mitochondrial Eve, Lucy, her remains are in Ethiopia. For 38 cents, I get to go. I spent Christmas Day with great, our greatest grandma. Mm. Come on, man. Come on. All right. Okay. Yeah. They know me so much in Egypt that they tell each other when people are in the hotel, she speak Arabic. You know, don't, don't, don't talk. Cause go out. Go out. She will put the hand. <laughs> she know how. <laughs> Man. So as we close it out, I, I have some friends who um they've they've taught abroad. I have one friend now in China teaching. Um, you know, and so um she she travels a lot, like she she went to a bunch of places, uh just you know, when they had the little COVID break, she went to like I don't know, a bunch of places, Malaysia, all kind of places. But she travels by herself, but she also likes to abroad. So, now let's say it's a young lady like you all that's listening to this right now. What do you say to that young lady or young man to make them take that leap to say, don't be afraid of your perception is really good here? What would you say? They're going to give you a plane ticket, baby. Just walk on water. You will not drown. You can always, and because you're an American, you're guaranteed a plane ticket home if you don't like it. You got one lifetime, one earth. You might as well enjoy it as much as possible. Mm, sweet and simple. But take advantage. You better. Yes. You're the ancestor's beneficiary. Yes. See, I got um, I do a little thing like tomorrow um, in my computer. I mean, my my calendar always just shows up and I have yes days where I just, and, but I forget that I got them planned. So it's like, Oh, tomorrow's a yes day. And I really try to stick to it. I don't tell anyone when it is though. But, uh, I mean, that's just the same thing. Like, don't be afraid. Just say yes and go. I love it. I love it. So can you give us the contact information for the show? Um, so how do we get tuned in to freedom Friday? That's right. This is your girl, Queen Sunny Honey. That's right. You can Google me. Look it up, Queen Sunny Honey. And that is CRS, Caribbean Radio Show. We are the Knowledge Station. You can find us on Facebook. Like us. Love our page with those 2.4 million listeners out there. That is at CRS Radio. We'd love to have you. If you ever want to be on the show, Simply DM a sister. You can find me on social media platforms such as Instagram at Queen Sunny Honey. Hey. Thank you you for taking that time at one in the morning in Kuwait. I appreciate that so much. All right. This is KT for KTTV signing out. 100.